everyone. This is Lauren. And this is Anastasia. You're listening to Wait to Panic, a podcast where two friends take turns trying to scare one another shitless. This week, it's Anastasia's turn. And I'm sorry. I feel like we say that a lot. <laughs> we do, but it's always with good reason. It. I mean, that is very, very true. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, that bodes well for this one. Cool. Yep. But first off, let's talk about what makes us happy. Great idea. Why don't you go first? <laughs> it's snowing. And I hate the snow, but I don't have anywhere to go. So I like the snow. <laughs> the minute I have anywhere to be, it can immediately go away. I am also extremely excited that it's snowing. It in large part because Coda loses her little mind when it's snowing. She just wants to go outside and pounce in it all day long. I swear she doesn't want to come inside. She just wants to sleep in the snow. Was that a delivery? That was. I, my phone is very dead, so Blake brought me my phone cord. Let there be life. <laughs> <laughs> juice. Uh, juicy juice. Mm -hmm. uh, you dirty liar. You still had 15% left. Bitches. Bitch. <laughs> it's just rude. Like, stay it, alive. It, it really is. I leave, I'm, I'm very mean to my phones because I want the batteries to live forever. Um, so I wait until like it literally shuts off. If it has any red and it's still functioning, I'm not plugging that sucker in. Oh yeah, that's exactly what I did. Rory always looks like he's just like, your battery is in the red. I'm like, I know it is. He's like, there's barely any red sliver there. Like it's begging you for a charge. I'm like, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll it tell keep... me when it's actually dead. It can keep begging. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Every ounce of battery that is left will be used. Yep. Except I am for my not phone. shortening how much you have to effort. Yeah, except mine apparently weenies out at 10%. Yeah, yours seems to lie. Apparently. Further proof that robots are actually controlling the world already. Truth. Yeah. I'm convinced that's why Debbie, my little vacuum, <laughs> hunts, hunts for my toes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, no matter where I am, all of a sudden there's just little flippy wheels attacking my toes, and she's aggressive. <laughs> no, Debbie. Debbie needs to take some politeness uh, orders from Patches, like just some lessons. So my, I have a little robot vacuum as well, but his name is Patches O'Hooverhan, <laughs> and I love him. Oh. But he tends to be, he just gets really dumb around Coda's like, food area. Because we have, uh, like, a little waterproof mat down on the wood floor. Yeah. Uh, so he tries to go in there and have a munch bunch on top of the mat. And it's just, <laughs> it's not your spot patches. Your food is elsewhere. But snacks. <laughs> I know Coda leaves crumbs, but stop it. <sighs> uh, all right. Mm -hmm. I have I have phone <laughs> with batteries so I can play a video clip or an audio clip. Ooh. Yeah, don't, don't ooh, you're not going to like it. Oh, no, okay. Lauren, what kind of podcast do you think we run? Besides a highly distractible one. <laughs> Lighthearted advice podcast, maybe? <laughs> should, uh, we, maybe should we adjust? <laughs> maybe, maybe one day. But for now, we're sticking with murder and horror. Great, good. <laughs> yep. So, I know I already asked you, but if anyone else has not heard the story of Cindy James, that's who I am talking about today. Uh, 
and I can say with all honesty, not not many stories genuinely make me infuriated, but this one made me very, very angry. Okay. Yeah, it takes a lot to get you actually angry in my yeah. experience. Like frustrated, sure, but like angry yeah. is different. Well, so this takes place over seven years. And for all of these years, all seven of them, this lady was scared for her life. Oh. And ultimately, she ended up paying the price for people not believing in her. And mm, it it makes me very, very angry. And it's why I hate the whole victim-blaming culture and everything that surrounds it. Oh, that's a hell of a preface. <sighs> yeah. So... <clears throat> We're just we going to jump into it. We might yeah. need to introduce a new segment, Lauren's Rant Sessions. <laughs> yeah. So we'll just we'll just jump into it. Okay. Um, so our story takes place in Vancouver, British Columbia, mostly in the suburb of Richmond. Oh, I have a friend who either lives or lived there. Hmm. Well, that's unfortunate. Mm. So, Cindy, she was the eldest of six children born to Tilly and Otto Hack. When Cindy was 19, we're just going to skip over all the early years because it doesn't really pertain to any of this. Um, But when she was 19, she got married to a man who was 18 years her senior. (sighs) Flags. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, Lauren and I talk a lot about this kind of age gap, and (laughs) we both hate it very, very much. Um, yeah, it's so let's let's clarify because age differences in relationships are not the issue. No. Age differences when one of the participants is clearly recently out of adolescence and is not past 25 because your brains aren't fully cooked until then. I don't care what time you're allowed to vote in the US. Uh, yep. Psychologically, you're not fully developed until you're 25. Um, it's generally someone who's just looking for someone that they can manipulate and shape into the person they want them to be. Yep, exactly. So, again, Lauren and I both have very, very strong opinions about this particular style of age gap. Again, age gaps are fine, but... mm, Just doing little angry face and crabby claws Uh, over on my end. (laughs) Right. So, well, we'll leave it at that. Uh... So Cindy's yeah. husband was Roy Makepeace, which is a darkly <laughs> I- ironic name to me. Um, he was a psychiatrist. Oh, they no. never, yep, they never had any children, but Cindy was very fond of children, and she really enjoyed working with them. So fast forward a couple of years, she graduates from nursing school in 1966 and accepted the position as administrator for a preschool that focused on children with behavioral and emotional problems. She was very good at this kind of job. She really enjoyed counseling and loved everything about her job. So we're going to jump forward a couple more years to July of 1982. Uh, For all outward appearances, her and Roy had what seemed like it was a very happy marriage. Um... Until usually that, what they look like. Right? Until you peel back the onion a layer and you find out how absolutely messed up it is. Uh, so she files for divorce in July. Atta girl. <laughs> yep. And unfortunately, this is where the start of all of Cindy's problems really began. 
And by problems, I mean pretty much all hell broke loose for this poor woman, and her life never really bounced back. So, our story really starts right about here, and mostly, you know, the divorce proceedings go forward, they end up getting divorced, yada yada. But about four months after the filing is done, Cindy started to get mysterious phone calls. Dislike. Hard dislike. I... Uh, I hate everything about it. <laughs> I just don't like getting regular phone calls from people I know. Right? Let alone, like, especially back then, when yeah, like no. there, was, there was no caller ID, so you couldn't screen that. Ugh, yeah. So she starts getting these mysterious phone calls. She said that they would range from being strange to just absolutely outright threatening. And so for the next seven years, and this is only the start of what makes me very angry... Cindy reported over a hundred incidents of harassment. Oh my dear God. Mm-hmm. Of these 100, five of them were violent, violent physical assaults. And oh, oh, it's these were not just 100 like phone harassment. like no, no, no this was, yeah, oh dear God. Like, yeah, total, total package. And so instead of putting effort, into finding out if there really was someone behind all of this, albeit yes, the police force did expend quite a bit of time and money onto this, they really seemed only interested in proving that it was all Cindy's doing. What? Mm-hmm. So. Please tell me how. Uh-huh. Yep. So getting a little ahead of myself there. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with the phone calls. So like I said, they started about five or four months after Cindy and Roy separated. Cindy told her mother, Tilly, that she didn't recognize the voice, that it, quote, was just a voice. Sometimes it changed the sound, and sometimes it was just whispering. Sometimes it was just nothing, just silence. Creepy. <sighs> Which I, I hate the silence more than I hate the whispering. Uh, I have mixed feelings about all of it. Uh, yeah, I do too, I, like, but yeah. Like, I just, I can't quite decide which one would be worse because they're both so awful. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. So her father, Otto, he felt that she was holding something back. And he said that she was very, very reluctant to talk about this right until the very end. And all of our feelings was that she was withholding something extremely vital. <sighs> yep. So that's that's her parents' opinions. So it, it it couldn't possibly be that she's reluctant to talk about it because it's deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, no, not at all. Insert mm. massive eye roll here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So rightfully disturbed by these phone calls, Cindy went to the police. And initially they did all the things that they should. They started investigating But unfortunately for Cindy, things only got worse for her once they got involved. Ugh. Yep. She would hear prowlers outside her house at night. Which, I mean, if you're in a neighborhood, sure, you'll maybe hear, like, raccoons and shit going through your garbage or whatever. Like, that happens. Or, like, I don't know, teenagers like to wander around late at night. It happens. But her porch light, blah, 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 blah. Her. (laughs) (laughs) Words. Words are hard someday. Words so, are hard. Um, now, her porch lights were smashed at one point, and her phone Ugh. lines were severed. Which, oh, no. 
yeah, really don't like that. And to really kind of kick off the the super bad, three dead cats were found hanging <gasps> in her garden. Oh, kitties. Yeah, which um, if that doesn't scream bad psychopath. Things, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what does, and I would like to know what your definition of that is if that isn't it. <laughs> it's mm. actually, I don't want you to talk to me if you don't think that's bad. Yeah, not well. not to be rude or anything, but I don't think <laughs> no, we're no, I think compatible friends. Rudeness is fair then. Uh, so, dead cats. Then the notes began. Oh no! Okay. Yep. So at you first, wine. I, you really should have. I should have warned you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Green tea, console Green me. Tea. <laughs> Green tea is not strong enough. <laughs> Uh, it'll so do <laughs> at first the the notes were really just in the form of letters that were mailed which is bad enough but then she started getting notes left on her doorstep oh which mm. so much worse so much worse because not only does that say i know where you live but i know exactly where you live and i've been there yep uh, but these notes and letters they frightened her so much that like you and I said, she started to get reluctant to talk about the incidents, believing that it would only make events escalate. Shocker. Sounds like a logical uh, conclusion, considering <sighs> the path of events thus far. Right? You would think you and I would be on the same wavelength there. Yep. The police yep. were not. So <laughs> they saw her reluctance to talk about the events as a reason to doubt her story. For fuck's um, sake. Yeah. So I have my own theories about this, but I want to see what you think by the end of it. So we'll just okay. keep going. So time kept going by and the events progressed. Her friends and family, they said that they could physically see the toll on her. They had always described her as this beautiful, vibrant, and she was. She was stunning and oh, very angel. like ferrofocity kind of looking. And... They said she went from being this beautiful, vibrant person to just like this hollowed out shell of a human. And I mean, that's that's not surprising if you're subjected to this kind of shit on a daily, near daily basis for seven years. It's going to take a toll on you mentally, physically, emotionally, all of those things. And trauma yeah. does a lot. Yep. Trauma does a lot, especially when people don't believe you. Mm -hmm. Again... Everything about victim blaming absolutely infuriates me. Sidebar, if you ever have someone in your life that's talking about these kinds of things, validation can be very helpful, even if you think they don't need validation. Saying the words out loud, I believe you, helps. Makes a big difference. Exactly. It helps a lot. Okay, sidebar over. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good segue. So, luckily for Cindy, she did have at least one such person that said that to her. Um, one of her close friends, Agnes Woodcock, was one of the few people, I know, don't laugh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. I'm 12. Yeah, okay. we know. Um, <laughs> but Agnes was one of the few people that she would actually speak to about what was going on and who didn't disbelieve her. And so she told Agnes one time, he doesn't want to kill me, he just wants to scare me to death. Which, Oof. I don't know which is worse, honestly. 
I mean, just, that's still killing you. It's just yeah. an unconventional yeah. murder it's weapon. Just more steps. Yeah. It's it's torture is what it is. It's torture. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Ugh. Poor Cindy. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Okay. So one night, Agnes drops by to check on her friend and just come over to visit. So she goes to knock on the door and there's no answer. Cindy's car's there, the lights are on, but Cindy doesn't respond. So at first, Agnes didn't think much of it. She knew that Cindy really liked to take long baths. So it was her habit every single night, which sounds lovely self-care. relaxing. <laughs> if anyone deserves some self-care, it was her. Yeah. Um, and thought, well, okay, you know, that might be why she's not coming to the door right away. Then she heard something, and it made her rightfully concerned, knowing everything that Cindy was going through. And Agnes was one brave lady, and she, by herself, went investigating. Oh, dear. Yeah. It didn't take her long to find the source of the noise, which was Cindy. She found Cindy crouched down outside, crouched like she was trying to hide from something or someone. And as she got closer, Agnes realized why she was looking like she was hiding. Cindy had a black nylon stocking tied tightly around her neck. (gasps) And when she finally got Cindy free, she told Agnes that she had gone out to the garage to get a box when she had been grabbed from behind. Her attacker had wrapped the stocking around her neck and began strangling her. All that she was able to see were the person's shoes, which was a plain pair of white sneakers. Cindy believed that her attacker had been scared off when Agnes arrived, and she fled to the backyard to hide. So that was our first attack. I might need to change my opinion on unannounced drop-bys. Yeah, they're not always a bad thing, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. So... The notes at this time started getting darker and more threatening. And I've got a couple pictures, but I'm too lazy to send them right now, so I'll link them. (laughs) Um, But I will verbally describe what they look like. Oh, okay. One of them said, like in the big, bold type, I see you. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. And it was like on just like a normal letter-sized sheet of paper. But it had that and some pictures taped to it as well. One of a hand holding a knife. One of a woman with hands wrapped around her throat. And the other of a hand opening the door. Like her door? Just a door. Well, okay. I, I imagine it was a door. But Okay, I was like, I, like, I have to gauge. Ba- it's still horrible, but like based like, off of the level, like which door makes it slightly it, worse. I, I'm going to hope it was not her door. So there was another one that was left on the windshield of her car that showed a corpse being pushed into the morgue. (gasps) Yep. So, again, don't like this story. I'm very sorry. (sighs) Again, this is what we do. We find the things that are terrible that we can't not read, and then we show it to each other. Yep, and then we talk about it. Uh, okay. Our friendship is based on terrible things. <laughs> and fun things. And fun things, but <laughs> a lot of really weird, terrible there, things. There's a lot of really weird shit in our friendship. Yep. So. It's how you make notes. a last over 10 years. Exactly. Okay. 
So the the notes, like I said, they have started to take a darker turn. And then it gets worse. Because why not? And deliveries start. Oh, no. Okay. We're about to go full Jared Leto for the Suicide Squad Uh movie, aren't we? Yeah. Well, kind of. Um, Orders of raw meat started showing up at her house. Which, I mean, on one hand... Like, if you knew it hadn't been tampered with, like, all right, still weird, but whatever, less grocery shopping. But, um... <laughs> what an optimistic outlook. <laughs> I, I have to have some optimism, Lauren. There's so little in this story. <laughs> um, Spoken as someone who has t- far too long of a to-do list. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And uh, then one day, Cindy comes home, and she had a dog. <gasps> She she came home one day and she found her dog Heidi shaking in fear and sitting in a pile of her own feces. Oh, sweet baby. With a cord wound tightly. <gasps> neck. Yeah. Please. Oh, okay. Like, please nothing, tell me the dog makes it. I saw no indication that the dog did not survive. Cindy very much loved her dog and her family. And I feel like they would have mentioned it if Heidi did not make it through most of the story other than old age. Okay. So I had no indications that Heidi passed away due to these events. Okay. So that that, that, that is, is this yep. is pretty weird as someone who like does this kind of podcast but like dog dying is my weakest point. <laughs> Any anything animal I don't like. like I, yeah, they're, it's they're very helpless creatures especially like the pet ones that we all have. They're so anything, trusting. They are, and they rely on us, and it really breaks my heart when they get hurt for these kind of situations. Yeah. Okay, okay, so, Heidi Heidi lives. I'm putting that in my head yep. and just tacking that onto my brain forever. Heidi lives. Yep. Okay. As far as I know, Heidi lives. So the harassment that Cindy was dealing with, it would start and stop randomly. Sometimes there would be months between occurrences before it would start up on a daily basis again. And understandably, as a result, Cindy's mental state <laughs> deteriorated. Deteriorated, and yeah, there's there's no other nice way to say that. But she would do j- daily journals, and they said, you know, going through and reading back after everything happened, like you could read just the breakdown Whoa. and just her expressing the despair that she was feeling about what was going on with her and how helpless it made her feel, which is all very understandable given what she's dealing with. <sighs> so after the incident with Heidi, Cindy is even more shaken up than she was before, and she moves. She moves, she paints her car, changes her last name, anything and everything she could think of to shake off her stalker, because that's who it is in my mind at this point, is a stalker. Mm-hmm. Um, she did not have much assistance from the police at this point. They pretty much openly let her know that they did not believe her. So she took the next logical step and hired a private investigator named Ozzy Caban. Okay. And Ozzy, to his credit, he really did do his best. He, I would say at times it sounded like he was frustrated with her, but he was genuinely worried for her and wanted her to be safe and wanted to find out who was behind this. So in one of the quotes from him, he said, she wouldn't tell them, the police, the entire story. She would be invasive. 
She would withhold information, and she simply would not act as a normal victim you would expect would act. And I can see where a police officer would have a tremendous amount of problems in believing her story. Okay. Again, keep in mind this was the 80s. Yep. And, yeah, I get it. Um, so Ozzy, he spoke with her parents, Tilly and Otto, and they all agreed that it seemed like Cindy was withholding something. Regardless, Ozzy, he got started right away on tracking down leads. He gave her some physical security measures to put in place. Uh, he had floodlights installed outside her home. He gave her a two-way radio with a panic button, so even if the phone lines were cut, she could still contact him and he could come right over. That's good. Like, does all of the things that he should be doing. So, late in the night, on January 30th, 1984, Ozzy hears some strange sounds coming across the two-way radio and rushes over to Cindy's house. He looks all around, finds all the doors, they're still all locked, the lights are off, everything looks like it should, until he starts looking through the windows, and he finally found her. She was lying motionless in the hallway, and at first glance, he really thought she was dead. So his first reaction, which, go Ozzy, he kicked in the door. Yeah, Ozzy! Went inside. Yep. And I'm sorry for this because it makes me cringe. But again, she's face down in the hallway, and... (coughs) Sorry. A paring knife had been been (gasps) driven through her hand, Uh. mm -hmm, pinning her to the floor. And if that's not bad enough, there was a note that was attached to the handle saying, you are dead, bitch. Mm. Oh, dear God. Yeah. So, understandably, Ozzy, initially, he thought she was dead, but he did find a very faint pulse and (sighs) immediately called 911. And by the time he went back to her, she had kind of started to come around. Emergency response arrived and got her to the hospital. Cindy told Ozzy that she remembered seeing a man coming through her front gate and then a blinding pain as she was hit upside by, she could only guess, was a piece of wood or something similar to that. And then being held on the floor and a needle going in her arm. Oh, God. Mm. Yeah, and... This is where I really start getting mad at the police. The police thought that she staged the attack. They never bothered to look for fingerprints in her home, on the knife, on the note, none of it. Okay, you can have a personal fucking opinion, but you cannot ignore due process. Yeah, yeah. Ozzy, however, he firmly believed that based on the angles of both the knife and the needle injection mark, that there was any way that Cindy could have been able to inject or stab herself. So he completely rejected that their belief that Cindy was behind all this. He thought 100% there was someone out there who had attacked her. Way to go, Ozzy. Way to go, Ozzy. So Cindy, to her credit, she wanted to try and remember anything she could, regardless of how it would affect her. And she agreed to undergo several hypnosis sessions and to take a polygraph test. Unfortunately for her, it was determined after testing that Cindy was too traumatized to actually give any useful information. That's not surprising. Nope, not even a little. (sighs) Unfortunately, after this, the phone calls, they started picking back back up with 
what they described as alarming frequency, but despite Ozzy's best attempts, they were so short that he couldn't trace them. Ugh. Yep. Which nowadays, I imagine that's, it wouldn't matter if they can trace much quicker. But again, we're in the 80s, so. Yeah. Limited resources, all of that. Yep. So strangely, and unfortunately for Cindy, because it didn't help the police's thought process for all of this, that she's behind it, um, the police did for a long time, they would do rounds of 24-hour surveillance for days on end. Um, like up to 14 police officers would rotate through for however however long they were doing surveillance on her. Mm-hmm. And uh, nothing would happen in those times, which, shocker, no calls, no notes, nothing, no deliveries. But they never searched her home or her car for any listening devices. And they also, she had started dating a police officer. Um, they never really investigated him either. And I don't know, it, it's just such a lack of due process. <laughs> yeah. That, like, yes, they technically went through the motions of investigating, but you just, you get a feel for the entire case. They're just like, yeah, we're going to do this, but we don't believe you. So, uh. yeah. yeah, it's it's just very frustrating to read. So that was one of my theories was that either there was someone on the police payroll who was either passing on information about what the police were planning on doing or was actually involved on the force themselves. Mm-hmm. But it it makes sense to me because really what other better way would there be to make it seem like it was all Cindy's doing than for all activity to stop anytime the police were involved? Well, yeah, it's just mass gaslighting. Yeah. Um... And of course, the the moment the police would walk away and be like, all right, we're done, you know, see you next round, something happened. Like every single time surveillance ended, like the next day, the calls would start up, the notes would show up again, the deliveries would start. Like it was it was very expected at that point. So Tilly, yeah, yeah Tilly, Cindy's mom again, she believes that she knows exactly why her daughter never told the whole story. Um, and pretty much what you and I expect. During the knife attack, she told her mom that the knife was held to my throat, and they said, if you talk, your sister will be next, then your mother. (gasps) So just keep quiet and don't tell anything. Shocker. It's quite a motivating, uh... Yep. Thing. Yeah, words. Yep. So, understandably, Tilly was very frustrated by the police as well, and didn't find the lack of activity during surveillance to be suspicious and flat out told them, well, you know, if someone is doing this, then sure as hell they know that you're there. And of yeah. course, nobody is going to do anything when they see you sitting there and watching. Yeah. Like, like that, common, I feel like that's just common fucking common, sense. Common sense would dictate that. Like, you see a police officer sitting across watching your house for umpteen hours on end, you're not going to go bother that house. Da da da. Not that hard to piece that together Ugh. even psychopaths have some self-control some not much but enough enough for them to wait and stalk their prey yep the second yeah. you see that police car drive away well guess what yeah. anywho so the next thing that we have is it will be the 
third attack? Yes, I think it's the third one at this point. Okay. So, December 11th, 1985, Cindy was found dazed and barely conscious in a ditch over six miles from her home. Uh, All I could assume was that she was naked, because it said she was found wearing only a men's work boot and glove. Oh. So, yeah. I assume that she had nothing else on. Yeah, that that does sound like the situation. Yeah. Um, Clearly was suffering from hypothermia at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, She was covered head to toe in bruises and cuts. And like before, there was a signature black nylon stocking tied tightly around her throat. And unfortunately for Cindy, like all good trauma responses, she had no memory of what happened to her. Again, thank you, brain, and or, I mean, possibly some kind of chemical, but thank you, brain, if it is trauma response and just protecting you from what happened, because your brain can't handle that shit. Right? Just blanks it out. Well, and and even, like, not this level of trauma things. Like, even my brother, he got in a car accident a couple of years ago, and, like, he still doesn't remember for that six minutes what happened. Yeah. And... It really irritates him, but... Hell, you can even have your brain accidentally block out something that you know you did something embarrassing, but you have no idea what it was. Right, yeah. Like, you know it was bad, you had the feeling, but you don't know what it was. Brains are very good at that kind of thing. They protect. So, yep, brain, brains are the good boys occasionally. But understandably after this, Cindy got even more fearful. Hmm. Un- understandably. So she started asking Agnes and her husband, Tom, to stay the night on occasion because clearly she felt safer with company. So on one such night, they were staying over and Cindy ran to the guest room where Agnes and Tom were sleeping and woke them up. She said, you know, Tom, I heard a noise downstairs and was very, very panicked and afraid. Luckily for her, Tom had heard it too. He was already awake. Mm -hmm. He said that, you know, yeah, I... There was like a loud thump from below. So he goes downstairs with Agnes and Cindy and found the basement in flames. (gasps) Yep. Attack Attack number four. So Agnes, she ran for the phone, only to find the line was dead. Yep. I I am so grateful in this day and age, like having read through this, I was like, thank God for cell phones. Yep. (laughs) Bless you, technology. Like, unless you live in an area that like, your only service is through Wi-Fi or that kind of thing. Like, thank goodness. So Tom, he goes outside to try and knock and wake up a, a neighbor and have them call the fire department instead. And he sees a person standing near the curb. Initially, Tom's like, okay, well, kind of late at night, but whatever. Hey, can you call the fire department? Without saying anything, shocker, the man runs down the street. Yep. Shocker. Yep. So the police show up. Fire department puts it out, yada yada, and <clears throat> they determined that the fire had been deliberate and labeled it as an act of arson, which, good on them for that, I suppose, but yeah. that's about where my credit ends. So they searched the basement windows, and the ones that were most likely to have been forced open to gain entry to set the fire, because they said the fire was set inside, not like lobbed through the window or anything. Like mm-hmm. someone had to physically go into the basement to start this. 
they couldn't find any usable prints on the windowsill that would have been entered through, and so they ended up saying that it was staged by Cindy. Just because you can't find anything because fire burned it doesn't mean it's Cindy's fault. Uh Uh-huh. So to me, I went, okay, so you said you couldn't find any usable prints, right? Which means that by implied default, there were prints. But they and some of the investigators believe that, well, Cindy is still willing to walk her dog alone at night. So she must not really be that afraid of someone attacking her. I was like, or her dog needs to go potty. And you don't have much of a freaking choice. <laughs> right? Like, seriously? Ugh, I was so mad at this whole situation. I, I like, I'm sorry. Uh, should I, as a female, not continue to have a life period to show that I am afraid of the thing that is happening? Like, do you have to go into full on like isolation quarantine? And request afraid. Yeah. Wait, we shouldn't. You shouldn't. (sighs) (laughs) I told you I was going to make you mad. (laughs) I'm so mad. I told you. Well, it's it. So it's personally (laughs) infuriating because, like, I have had issues with like casual stalkers in the past. Not like this level, but like people that were very uncomfortable in following me. Um, Uh huh. And, like, harassing. Like, I had one dude that would not leave me alone for, like, a solid two-plus weeks that I had to be in a class with in college. And literally all that he did was quote the freaking can I have your number video at me. Oh. For two weeks straight. Ugh. Like, shit like that. Like, I'm sorry. Was I supposed to not go to class to prove that I didn't like that? That I didn't want to have that happen? It's such bullshit. Oh, my God. I I warned you it was going to make you mad like it made me you mad. You did. You did. You did warn me. <laughs> like, all I put under that note was insert biggest eye roll ever. Like, I could see the back of my skull eye roll. <laughs> I just, I, <sighs> call, those, the people who decided that need to have their mothers called on them. Like, they, oh, yeah. that's not like a work disciplinary. That's a, hey, you done fucked up as a human being when you forgot that women are also human beings. Right? So. <sighs> okay, Lauren's rant session over for the moment. Yeah, well. <laughs> for the moment. Yeah, it's going to be a short moment. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, yeah. Again, they don't believe that Anyone other than Cindy is behind this because she still walks her dog alone at night. Blah, blah, blah. So clearly she's not afraid of her supposed attacker. Bullshit. So now her doctor is involved in all this and he or she, they, are worried that Cindy's mental state is declining under the pressure of all of this horrible harassment that she's dealing with. And again, who wouldn't be? Uh... Her doctor had her committed to a psychiatric hospital, fearing that she might be suicidal. Oh, sweet girl. Which, I, yeah, makes sense. I, I wouldn't logic. Yep, logically. Good move, I, doctor. Good move. Wouldn't, wouldn't blame her. Yeah. So Cindy was there for ten weeks before she was released, and she, when she was released, she did finally confess to her friends and family that she was in fact holding back information. Because the attacker said that they would kill her family if she outed them. Mm-hmm. Shocker. Again. So, then Cindy goes one further. 
and then says she planned on going after them herself. Oh, dear God, Cindy. (laughs) Quote, if the police can't solve this, I'll solve it for them. Cindy. kind of badass of Cindy. I mean, ballsy. But. So ballsy, but (laughs) poorly thought out. Yeah. So, unsurprisingly, I'm sure for you and I, uh, so when she goes to the police, she names her ex-husband, Dr. Roy Makepeace, as the attacker, which I will clarify if anyone missed this. When she changed her last name, she changed it from peace, Makepeace to James to further distance herself from her attacker. Gotcha. Clearly was, didn't work. But Do you have any idea if James was her maiden name? No, it was not. Hack. Okay. Was her oh, oh, right. That's name. right. Hack was yep. her maiden name. Okay. So the police spoke with Roy, and he denied all the allegations, of course. And What? No. Shocker. I'm Um, so surprised. Yeah. He gave them evidence from his answering machine of someone calling and leaving a death threat for him. Hmm. And Melanie Hack, who is her sister, she wrote a book, which I highly recommend picking up if this is interesting to you called Who Killed My Sister, My Friend, Mm. and shared the phone call recording. Oh, okay. Do do you want to hear it? I can just link it. It's totally up to you. Let's let's make it happen. Let's do it. So. Trigger warning. (laughs) Yeah. to, To me, like, I didn't read this as, like, a death threat against him. I heard it more as a death threat against Cindy because that's what it sounded like to me. But let's see if this will work. Oh, no. Stop rotating. There we go. Okay, so this is the recording that was left on his answering machine. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. I don't know how well that went across, but... I mean, I... the Creepy breathing... And I heard dead meat, and I think you. So it says, Cindy, dead meat soon. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that definitely sounds more like a death threat to Cindy, to me. Yeah. So. uh. Oh, that voice was so Uh. creepy. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yep. So apologies for those nightmares. Um, But, like, I had a hard time deciding if it sounded female or not or maybe they're using like one of those weird like voice modulators i don't know if they yeah. had those in the 80s i'm sure they did they definitely did like you could it was a toy it was a child's toy in the 90s you can get yeah. that in the 80s yeah uh, true. it it sounded like someone disguising their regular voice to me like it didn't sound a specific gender or masculine or feminine or anything like that to me like it it just sounded like not a normal voice. And yeah. also, e. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've I've had, like, dry heave reactions to that every time I've tried to listen to it. <sighs> mm-hmm. <sighs> yep. So, Roy, and, like, if it really wasn't him, then I feel bad that I'm sure going through all this really damaged his reputation and yada yada. But also, mm. Roy believed that Cindy had split personality disorder, but Mm. the doctors and medical staff who treated her while she was in the hospital, at the medical hospital, um, that was a stupid statement. 
at the psychiatric <laughs> hospital. Um, they said that they never saw any evidence of her having split personalities, which if anyone is going to recognize it, it's a psychiatric hospital. I, I would think that a psychiatric hospital so. full of professionals might be better than one individual, but they were married for quite some years. and They were, but I but mean, you can how... also gaslight someone into that. Exactly. Yeah. So, coming to the the end of this, unfortunately. Uh, Unfortunately, fortunately, like, it's going to get worse, but then it'll be over. Yeah. Pros, cons, silver linings. True words were never said. (laughs) So, on May 25th, 1989, six years and seven months after the first threatening phone call was made to her, Cindy James disappeared. On the same day, her car was found in a neighborhood parking lot. Inside the trunk, um, they found her groceries. And inside the car, they found a wrapped gift that she had bought for someone. Oh. There was blood on the driver's side door, and items from Cindy's wallet were found scattered underneath the car. For two weeks, her family and friends wondered what happened to her, and then their worst fears were confirmed. I'm sure not like they didn't already expect that this was going to be the end result after all of these years of what she went through. But on June 28, 1989, 44-year-old Cindy was found in the front yard of an abandoned house. What's interesting about this is the house was actually located in a fairly high traffic area. There was a lot of foot traffic that went through. Mm. So um, it was fairly unlikely that she had been there this whole time and people had just missed it the police however didn't believe that she had been killed when she went missing initially because of her showing up in this yard Mm -hmm. Um, but the autopsy did show that it was highly likely that she died the same day she disappeared her body showed numerous wounds including an injection mark in her arm they really liked doing this to this poor lady and it would later be determined to be a high dose of morphine that had been injected. Oh. She was found with both her hands and feet tied behind her body, and around her neck was the signature, at this point, black nylon that had been used to strangle her. The one thing that was missing was the needle. Mm. Shocker. Shocker. I mean, I mean, if you're not actually killed in that location, then yeah. it's... Yeah. I... Did the police finally believe it wasn't her at least? No. Oh my god. No. You they cannot didn't. tie your hands and feet behind your back yourself. You just can't do it. Oh, well, the police got it into their heads. Stick with me here. Uh, that Cindy had injected herself elsewhere, discarded the needle, walked a mile and a half to the scene, tied her hands and feet behind her back after strangling herself and wanted to rule it a suicide instead of. An accident. It or is an accident. physically impossible to strangle oneself. You pass out and then you wake up. <sighs> yeah. Oh my Agreed. god. Agreed. Agreed. So her father, Otto, he also did not believe their explanation. He said, there is no way she could have been able, after ingesting the amount of drugs that they found, to tie herself up. There is absolutely nothing at the crime scene to indicate she had used any form of syringe or that she had used any drinking device or anything of that nature. The official cause of death was morphine and other drug overdose, with the coroner, good boy, or lady, whatever, 
overruling the police belief, the final ruling was that she died of a, quote, unknown event, which... Murder. Also, to be able to tie your own hands and legs behind your back, you'd have to be a fucking contortionist. And you'd have to be a fucking good contortionist. (laughs) Like, I've done contortion lessons. I'm not very good at it. I couldn't do it. I know a few people who maybe they could, but it'd still be hard for them. Yeah. So they actually did, um, the investigators, they brought in, like, some kind of a a knots expert. Mm -hmm. And I don't know exactly how the knots were set up. It could have been one of those really horrible torture ones where, you know, it tightens around the neck as you struggle. That that would make sense to me how you could potentially do that to yourself i guess um but they said he was able to replicate the knots that were used and it took him under three minutes like tying himself up like yeah or or just making the knots because like to replicate the the knots that were all used i could imagine replicating the knots i just wanted to know if he did it with his hands and legs behind his back (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that I don't know, or if he like, used like another... I can figure out how to tie a knot too, Mister Expert. <laughs> right, I was like, uh, I, I don't know. They weren't really clear on like if they did it to like some poor volunteer policeman oh who was like, all right, yeah, see how long this takes you. Um, <laughs> Newbie on the force, hey, right? step on down. Uh, that was before hazing was outlawed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it took him roughly three minutes to replicate how she was found tied up (sighs) yeah uh i don't buy it nope murder murder i smell some bullshit here yeah so ozzy also waves Mm -hmm. the bullshit flag he ozzy (laughs) ozzy ozzy yep he believed that cindy was taken and killed elsewhere and that her body was dumped right before she was found He believes that, along with her parents, that the police were never interested in finding her attacker, but were just trying to blame her for everything that happened. They were more focused on proving that she committed suicide rather than finding the person who may have done this to her. Even to this day, Ozzy and her family believe that she was murdered and that someone in the Vancouver area has gotten away with it. Oh, God. Yep. I'm not going to tell my friend friend not to listen to this episode. I don't think she normally... I don't know if she normally listens, but I'm just going to tell her not to listen. Yeah. So before we get into our own speculation, for any of our listeners who want to learn more, Cindy's case is covered in Unsolved Mysteries and A Current Affair, as well as in Melanie Hack's book and blog. Um, Let's see her. You can just go to her blog at MelanieHack.com and find her book, find her blog, read all about it. Yada yada. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts? I mean, right now, I'm imagining my friend <laughs> and her husband fucking up a person if they ever tried to hurt either of them. They're both like into judo and Brazilian jiu jitsu and all of that shit. And like, they even nice. have wedding pictures of them doing that stuff in their wedding attire. It's amazing. But uh, I like the, that. The image of an unknown murderer getting fucked up is quite cathartic. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, no, I, like, legit, this entire thing, like, very clearly she was being harassed. Like, maybe there could have been some kind of personality disorder of some kind. Like, that's not off the table, but you can't make some shit up. No. Like, some things you just can't make up. Yeah. And 
I don't know. I'm I'm torn on if it's Roy or if it's just some other nut job out there, but mm. yeah, I don't I don't know because we didn't have enough information about Roy as a person. Like I don't like him because he decided to try and marry someone that was still mentally growing. Yeah, so that's uh, my personal opinion. Um, Especially as someone in a mental health professional, I feel like that's a really abnormal thing to do. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I'm uh, um, like, maybe it's not abnormal. Hard to say. Yeah, but I don't like it. Mm. I don't like Mm. any of it. Something stinks. Yeah, I, I just I I'm mad for Cindy. That's that's all I know. And it it's the kind of thing that you just know of Michelle McNamara was still around. It's the kind right. of thing she would go on a justice binge and find the person. <laughs> Agreed. Oh, yeah. I still need to read that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, Michelle McNamara is one of the people that helped find, well, not one of the people, like the main researcher that helped find the Golden State Killer. Yep. So she's got an amazing book. I don't remember the title of it, but it's amazing. Um, yeah, no, it's just, ugh. Uh, palate cleansers, please. Tell me weird palette jokes. Cleansers. Uh, let's see. Do, do, do. I've got hiccups. What time do ducks wake up? If I have a quack. Oh, close. At the quack of dawn. Oh! <laughs> this is going to be such an abrupt transition from us being mad about this story. <laughs> telling bad jokes but uh that's because we have learned to compartmentalize certain (laughs) portions of our life experience as women (laughs) i mean you're not wrong and we fill it with puns instead Uh, have you heard about the latest rumor involving butter no never mind i shouldn't spread it (laughs) as if you could spread butter in the first place (laughs) Solid like a rock if you're trying to spread it. Uh, This isn't, like, really a joke or anything, but it does make me laugh. Not that I've ever seen these movies, but I know what they're about enough to laugh at this. I'd like a Purge sequel that deals with the awkwardness of the next day. Like, you show up at work and everyone's like, where's Kevin from sales? And you have to bring up that you killed him. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Oh, that is the only purge movie i would watch yep like just people awkwardly explain like so i know we're not really supposed to talk about it but (laughs) kevin dead uh yeah i'd watch it like that is the only version i would watch me too this is also a important reason why a purge wouldn't work oh yeah thousand percent just there are many reasons, but that is definitely high up there. So, do you know why the blind man fell down the well? No, because he couldn't see that well. Oh my god, <laughs> it was so obvious. It was right there, but I didn't think it could be that obvious. It was. It really oh was. You know, I went to a wedding the other day, and it was really emotional. Even the cake was in tears. <laughs> Okay, I like that one. (laughs) Cake. What do you call a dancing lamb? I have no idea. A 
ballerina. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like saying, so, like trying to think of how it could go horribly wrong and like something with a little veal in it. I have no idea. Oh. I like ballerina much better. Uh, nope. <laughs> I guess it's not that hard of a cut, Obrotas being cheery and happy, is it? <laughs> nope. Uh, so this is fun from Katie, because Katie Ooh, sends yay, us Katie. all of our favorite puns and jokes. Why are frogs so happy? Because they don't have student debt. Well, there is that. Neither you do you now. Woohoo! No, they're so happy because they just eat whatever bugs them. <laughs> okay. Okay. Logic. Uh, all right. Well, I think we'll we'll end on this one. Got my friend an elephant for his room, and he said, thanks. And I told him, yeah, don't mention it. <laughs> uh, I knew where it was going, and I was so happy about it. Yep. But now we can't talk about it anymore. Can't. It's gone forever. <laughs> Hiding in that corner. Ba, ba, ba. Uh, on a weird elephant note, I watched uh, like the Disney's Tarzan this morning, and it was made me cry. Really? It did. The part where Tarzan gets on the boat to go back to England, and t- okay, so it's getting way deep into like Disney names and things. But Tantor is an elephant, and Turkina is right. Tarzan's best friend. Uh, they're over there, like we didn't get to say goodbye, and I'm just there crying on the couch, like they didn't get to say goodbye. <laughs> Uh, yes, I am almost 31 years of age, and I've seen that movie many times. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> uh, now I'm a little teary now. Cool. That's where I'm at this week, apparently. Okay, well, on that note, we will wrap <laughs> that up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... That's all I've got for this week. Thank you for listening and check back next Sunday for another episode. If you need some extra spookums, check our mini stories at waittopanic.com. And as always, if you have a story or equally bad pun or joke to share, please send it to us at an email at waittopanicpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram. But yeah, make good choices and remember... Wait to, to panic. panic.